Welcome to the Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Meslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. So I'm excited to announce this new sponsor. And this one is for people like me who may be curious about your levels of certain nutrients and minerals. We know on a carnivore diet that the requirements for certain minerals and nutrients are different than the recommended daily amounts. And we also know that we aren't getting as much of certain minerals and nutrients. So how can you know if you're getting enough? And more importantly, if you're absorbing those things, if you're taking, for instance, vitamin D or magnesium, You may want to know whether the supplement is actually doing anything, or you may just want to know how much of certain vitamins you're getting through your food. So what's one way to accurately test all of this? In this case, I'm talking about Upgraded Formula's Upgraded Hair Test Kit and their consultation. And I had Barton Scott on, the founder of Upgraded Formula's, to talk about this. He's fantastic. And their minerals can really help you absorb things that can vanquish those hidden deficiencies that may be affecting your thyroid, your adrenal, or other things. So check out the test and consultation at UpgradedFormulas.com and save 15% on your first purchase with the code CARNIVORE15 at checkout. Thanks and enjoy the show. Dr. Anthony Chaffee at Anthony Chaffee MD on Instagram is a medical doctor and nutritional researcher focused on animal foods to optimize health and performance. He's the host of the Plant Free MD podcast, the Carnivore Fix Facebook group, and an amazing YouTube channel, Anthony Chaffee MD, where he posts interviews, short clips, and in-depth content. Dr. Chaffee is also a former All-American rugby player. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Very excited to have you here. Um, And yeah, I'd love to just start with a little bit on your background. Um, What got you into the field of medicine? And um, from there, like discovering animal foods and and focusing on that. Yeah, well, I I was sort of one of those those people that were always interested in medicine since since they were a kid. I think that's sort of the classic, you know, med school uh, essay answer. Like, oh, I've just loved this ever since I was a kid. And it's usually... um, bullshit, but like for me, it actually was true. Um, you know, when I, you know, I remember thinking as a kid, um, you know, they're just really interested in me and, and the human body really interested in me. And I, I remember thinking when I was quite young that I really wanted to know exactly how the human body worked down, down to the molecular level. And, um, you know, so that was, that was, that was sort of a, a childhood sort of dream of mine. And I had family members that were uh, doctors and did some amazing things. And I remember just hearing those stories and just really being excited by them. And so that, that was just, you know, something that was in my head. And then as I was going through school, you know, all the, the math and science classes that I would have needed to take in any way for a medical uh, prerequisite, um, was, was just my favorite classes anyway. So I just said, okay, well, this, this really does make sense. And so I just, you know, kept pursuing that. Um, I got into nutrition mostly because of, of that and the fact that, you know, I, I did play sports uh, to, you know, a significant degree ever since I, w- I was young. I was always very um, interested in athletics and, and I always wanted to be able to fuel my body with, you know, the best fuel possible. I didn't realize how just how significant it was at the time 
but I knew that it was, you know, it mattered. And so I was just interested in, in human nutrition. And so uh, that was just, you know, something that, that, that grew along with my athleticism, uh, my, my athletic endeavors, and also my interest in medicine. Um, the way I got into a, a animal-based carnivore diet was roughly 22 years ago, maybe a little longer. Uh, I was taking cancer biology in my undergraduate degree at the University of Washington in Seattle. And we were just learning just how uh, how poisonous plants were. And this is how they defended themselves naturally. And we were looking at this from a cancer perspective, just from, uh, you know, and, and looking at carcinogens and learning that, you know, 22 years ago, we had already discovered 136 known human carcinogens just in Brussels sprouts and over 100 in you know, white table mushrooms, um, given lists with you know, things like spinach, kale, celery, cabbage, cucumber, everything, broccoli, all of these things had at least 60 known human carcinogens in them at the time. And I'm sure they've discovered far more subsequently. So and we've known since the 1980s that they're actually quite abundant, uh, just the, the toxins in general, because uh, work from Professor Bruce Ames from Berkeley showed that there were 10,000 times more naturally occurring toxins in plants uh, than the pesticides we sprayed on them by weight. And, and that was, those were just the toxins that uh, Professor Ames uh, knew about at the time. There were only like 42 at the time, 20 of, of which he had, had uh, found to be carcinogenic. So obviously there were much, much more by the time I took cancer biology with 136 carcinogens just being in Brussels sprouts. So wow. the likelihood is there's more than 10,000 times uh, of, of these poisons in there. So, you know, and, and, you know, you can have more of something and it not be that dangerous, you know, some things are, are more benign, but, uh, no, he found that actually there were you know, orders of magnitude times more likely to cause cancer than, than the, uh, pesticides we sprayed on them. So this was quite, uh, shocking for us. And, you know, even though we, we learn in, in, you know, junior high biology that, plants and animals are in an evolutionary arms race and plants becoming poisonous, more and more poisonous. So less and less animals can eat them and animals having to then adapt to those poisons, try to stay, you know, maintain uh, their defenses and, and be able to you know, eat those plants. Uh, you're still just ingrained in your head that, that vegetables are good for you. This is where you get your nutrients and uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But it, you know, it turns out these are just really marketing ploys. And they don't actually, you know, bear any resemblance to reality. So we're learning this in cancer biology and absolutely blown away. And, and it really took us by surprise. And I remember thinking in my head, you know, still ingrained that, that, that these things are still good for us. And I remember thinking, I was like, well, but, but vegetables are still good for you though, right? Like overall. And he just looked at us and he said, um, you know, I don't eat salad. I don't eat vegetables. I don't let my kids eat vegetables plants are trying to kill you. So I was like, right. You know, that was just the nail in the coffin for me. And I just said, you know, screw plants. I'm not going to eat any of these things. And I, I just stopped. And so, you know, the only, and I, I didn't think about that as doing a, a carnivore diet. I didn't think about it in the context of humans actually being hunters as opposed to hunter gatherers and just, just eating meat for millions of years. Um, you know, we're apex predators, top of the food chain that, that, that defines 
carnivore. You know, you, you don't have omnivorous, you know, or, or you know, uh, herbivorous uh, animals that are top of the food chain. You know, I mean, a bear might eat some things here and there, but the vast majority of its of its food is is animal based, and certainly, uh, you know, all other apex predators are going to be uh, in that category as well. So, you know, the thought that that we should be grazing and getting getting most of our nutrition uh, from plants doesn't make sense if you if you actually are top of the food chain. That means that you're eating animals, and you're eating all the animals. And in fact, that's, that's what we are. And so all the, all the best evidence shows that, that we've been carnivores, you know, for millions of years now and apex predators for millions of years due to our, our, you know, tool using ability and, and, um, and, uh, you know, tactics and, and, you know, brain power, we've been able to figure out how to kill and eat animals that, that really outclass us by every physical metric. That was our evolutionary driving force for developing a big brain because we didn't have teeth and claws that could just, you know, rip down, you know, a, a, a bison or a mammoth. So we had to, we had to find other means and we had tools and tactics and our brains grew as opposed to our teeth and claws, you know, and that's why we have tools. That's why we were able to use those brains, you know, to make an iPhone and, and build houses. And that's why we live in houses and have iPhones and lions don't because they naturally had physical characteristics that allowed them to hunt and get their food whereas we didn't. So that was the basis uh, of, of that. And, and, you know, since then, you know, people sort of, you know, I didn't realize how, how significant it was uh, that I was, you know, what I was doing. Um, and so I, you know, after sort of five or so years, I sort of slipped off of it uh, when I was living in England because I didn't really have the same access to meat as I did in the States. And, uh, you know, some of it was breaded and I was like, Oh, was it that a big deal? And, and, and in fact it was, and then, then, but it was sort of a step down that path. I, I started, started eating a little bit more things, a little bit more things, a little bit more things. And, and before I knew it, I was, I was, I was just eating normal food again, but, but mostly, mostly meat still, but even just a little bit of the plant, plant, uh, breadings and, and whatever, you know, added up. And I, I definitely felt you know, a lot more sore and stiff. I was getting little, you know, niggling injuries that like just weren't really, you know, healing properly. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, why don't I just feel as amazing as I normally do? And, you know, looking back on that, like that was, that was why that was when I sort of slipped off. And then roughly five years ago, I came across, you know, Dr. Sean Baker's interview on Joe Rogan, where he's talking about how you can get all your nutrition on carnivore and everything just clicked into place. It was like, that's what I was doing. That's why I felt so amazing uh, because I did, and, you know, those five years that I was on carnivore, I've never felt better. I've never been healthier. I've never been in better shape. I, I never performed as well athletically than, than those five years. I was putting in a ton of work and my body just kept giving me more and more and more and more and more. And then, you know, after that, you know, I was still able to play at very high levels. Um, but you know, I, I, I wasn't as just, I mean, it was, it was insane how in shape I was. I literally couldn't get tired. I couldn't run out of energy. I was just, I was just a you know force of nature on the field. It was, you know, and people commented on, on, you know, how dominant I played and, uh, you know, the physicality and the fitness and everything. It was just like, I was, you know, really, really, really performing to a very high degree. And, and that was, you know, completely to do with, well, you know, hard work obviously uh, goes into that, but 
you know, that same amount of hard work would not have gotten me nearly as far if I hadn't been, been doing carnivore. And so everything clicked into place. And I was like, right. I knew plants were trying to kill me, get rid of these damn things. And I had known other research as well, you know, to do with fat actually not being bad for you. Obviously the, you know, the plants trying to kill you and a number of other things that, that really fed into, uh, you know, what Dr. Baker was saying. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, this guy is more right than he knows because there's so many other things that add to this story as well. And, and, uh, you know, that's why I ended up, you know, um, going back on this myself and really dug into the research saying like, okay, what do we know? What can we prove? And, uh, you know, I ended up contacting Dr. Baker early on in his, in his podcasting, uh, career. And, uh, you know, he had me on his, on his show. I was one of his original guests on his original podcast. So, you know, like episode 34 or something like that. I remember and, that. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, and, um, yeah, so that, that, that was that. And, uh, you know, so ever since then, I just been just, you know, jumping head first and, and really going into literature and just trying to find exactly what we can prove and what we, you know, what we know and what we don't know, what we can prove and what we need to prove. And also, you know, trying to, to prove myself wrong. You know, it, one of the most important, you know, things in, in, in scientific, you know, endeavors is that, you know, you need to, you need to try to disprove your theory. You know, you make a theory and if you, if you really want a strong theory, you need to try to disprove it. You don't look for reasons why you're right. You look to see if there are reasons that you're wrong. And so, you know, that's what I was trying to do. I was saying, okay, so I was going to vegan blogs. I was going to vegan websites. I was going to doctors and researchers and scientists and, and PhDs in nutrition and say, okay, what am I missing? What do you guys got for me? You know, what are your arguments and what, uh, you know, what can you guys tell me? And I found that, you no, know, they, they really weren't very strong arguments. They were, a lot of them were just based on things like cholesterol causes heart disease. Therefore, you know, plants are good for you because they don't have cholesterol. I was like, well, that doesn't actually mean anything because, you know, just because, you know, one thing is bad for you, that doesn't mean that other things are good for you, you know? And so, um, and also cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease. We know that now saturated fats are really, really good for you. And so, you know, I didn't, I, I, I kept trying to see if there was, there was a chink in the armor, but I actually, the more I looked at it, the stronger it looked. And so, you know, that's, that's sort of what I've been doing. And I've, 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 you know, since incorporated that into my practice as a doctor and, and, and officially you know, recommending this to my patients, especially in certain circumstances where people are unwell and they, and they do need a leg up, certainly with autoimmune issues, um, diabetes, heart disease, obesity, obviously. Um, but other things as well, you know, I mean, this is, this is something that has been shown, uh, to be, uh, of significant benefit in, uh, even cancer patients. And so, you know, it's something that obviously needs more work done and, and, uh, uh research and trials, uh, as well. But at the same time, you know, there, I think that there is enough that you can actually, you know, start using this as a treatment modality. And, uh, and I have, so I have been, and I, you know, I just, I tell people exactly what we know and what we can prove and exactly how, uh, you know, how, how, how far along the, the research is. And I let them decide what they want to do, but when they, when they do incorporate this into their life, they, they show absolutely, I mean, near miraculous benefits to the point that it, it really does seem like you're selling something, you know, like a snake oil, some sort of thing like, Oh, this yeah. is pure everything. 
like, you know, Dr. Anthony's, you know, you know, cure all sort of thing, but you know, it, it just really does. And, you know, especially things like autoimmune diseases of all description, I haven't seen a single autoimmune issue that has not just, you know, basically fully resolved in, in just a number of months. Um, you know, as, as seen, you know, like with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, you know, like on biopsy, you know, you have people that get a biopsy and that shows inflammation and infiltration and, and all sorts of, you know, active, uh, autoimmune issues. Three months later, they get a biopsy. There isn't a trace of it, you know? So like, this is just, it's just amazing like, how powerful this is. And that's because, you know, these foods that we're eating, if you can call them foods, I don't, because, uh, I don't really consider them foods because, you know, humans are designed to eat a certain thing and that thing is not plants. And so when you're eating outside of what we're supposed to eat, you know, I mean, do you consider that food? I don't know. You know, I mean, grass is not food to a koala, even though it's a plant and eucalyptus is not food to a cow, even though it's a plant. So I don't consider these things food really because food is species specific. And so, you know, this eating outside of that is, is, is simply causing all sorts of disease. And so getting rid of that and eating what we're supposed to eat, it just, it really does wonders. And so I've just been, you know, really amazed and, and very happy that I've come across this because it, it really just does help people so much. Thanks to Bioptimizers for sponsoring the show. And I'm really excited to tell you guys about an excellent deal they're offering this November. This is the biggest blowout deal they will be offering all year. So if there's a time to stock up, it is now. What they're offering is over $200 worth of free gifts and a huge discount all month long on their Magnesium Breakthrough product. Their Magnesium Breakthrough is a full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief, better sleep, and mental health all in one bottle. They're offering all sorts of awesome free gifts and products worth over $200 with select purchases. All month long, they're offering 10% off using my unique code, and you can only get this exclusive deal through my link, special for you listeners. You won't find it on Amazon or even the Bioptimizer's website. Go to magnesiumbreakthrough.com slash carnivore and use code carnivore to get your discount and free gifts today. Thanks so much and have a great day. I really like your intellectual honesty there um, with saying like, this is what we know and this is what we don't um, and being forthright when you're talking about the carnivore diet and with patients, I think that's super important. Um, and I can tell you have a lot of integrity around that. Um, what type of pushback have you faced um, from the medical community around you, from colleagues? Um, and then maybe after that, you can answer the same question from, from patients as well. Yeah. So, you know, most, mostly it's been, uh, you know, quite, quite positive, actually, the vast majority. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's very new, but it's starting to grow on people. People are, have started hearing about it. You know, obviously we, we, a lot of people know about keto and a lot of people do keto and have had very good success with that. Um, so this sort of is like a, you know, a continuation of that. And people are, you know, can see that early on people were just looking at it like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, you know, they saw that I was in, you know, very, very good shape. And, um, and, you know, and, and, you know, physically looked, you know, very, you know, fit, strong and healthy. And so that I think, you know, did sort of get people's guard down a little bit. 
And so they were, they were willing to listen to what I had to say and ask questions. And they were generally, you know, you know, very reasonable questions uh, and, you know, kind of the same questions that, you know, any normal person would ask because they've been, you know, this is, this is, is different. And so they would ask questions, but, you know, because it's generally similar kinds of questions. And, and also I went, I've gone through all the vegan uh, arguments and I've, I've looked at them and, and I've, I've, known, you know, I've gone through why, uh, they, they make sense or don't make sense. And so people bring up those arguments and I already, I have a, I have a ready answer for them, you know, because I, you know, I, I, I've already done the work on this. So people, what are the, some of the most common ones you hear? Oh, well, you know, just, just cholesterol causes heart disease, doesn't mm. it? Red meat causes, you know, uh, uh, bowel cancer, uh, you need, you need plants for nutrition. You don't get all the nutrition from meat. Uh, and, uh, you know, you need fiber for, uh, gut health and, and bowel motions as well. So those are the common ones. And, and then it can get more, uh, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, I guess nuanced from there. Um, but those are, those are, those would be the main, main, main ones. And, um, you know, and those are, those are very easily addressed, but they're obviously very important, you know, because like, you know, if we, you know, we've been, we've been drilled that, that, um, you know, cholesterol causes heart disease for 50 years now. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, I mean, like the burden of proof does lie on me, uh, but the evidence is there. I mean, we have hard evidence showing that, that the, that the research being put out and the declaration from the USDA in 1977, that saying that cholesterol caused heart disease were fraudulent. You know, we, we have actual documentation that was published in the journal of the American medical association in 2015, showing that the sugar companies paid off, uh, you know, three Harvard professors, uh, as well as Ansel Keys, who you know wasn't at Harvard, uh, to, to falsify data and publish fraudulent studies to make it appear as if cholesterol caused heart disease when it's really sugar. And one of those professors from Harvard was named head of the USDA, and it was he who authored and published the 1977 declaration that cholesterol causes heart disease. So, you know, that's fraud, that's wrong. So, you know, anything based on these uh, has to be thrown out. You know, anytime you have something based on a false premise, you just, you have to get rid of it, uh, and start and start fresh. And so, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, that that's, you know, what the evidence shows us with, I mean, it's, it's not even like, it's not like, Oh, we have this study that showed that though. So this is, this is a, this is a matter of record at this moment. That's just something that happened historically. And so, you know, that that's very, very, good evidence. And now we have, you know, meta-analyses and, and, you know, massive, uh, uh, you know, lit reviews, uh, of the data going back decades. And they find that there are, there isn't even a correlation between, uh, increased cholesterol and LDL cholesterol and heart disease. So, so no correlation whatsoever. So correlation can never prove causation, right? But if you show that there is no correlation that proves there is no causation. Right, because you cannot have causation without correlation first. Yeah. So, yeah, and so that's the thing. So, so there is none. So, um, most people have been at least willing to to listen and ask questions, and and they're like, oh, okay, that's cool. And and then there are just some people that that just really push back right away and be like, no, that's crazy. What the hell are you even talking about? Are you even a doctor? This is ridiculous. You know, they just you know <laughs> are really rude about it. Um, but I haven't really come across that, you know, with people that I've worked with 
or, or met in person, you know, um, I think it's a lot, it's a lot easier to do that online or, you know, through text. Like if you're, you know, if you're just sort of someone approaches you and like, Oh, what, what, what is this about? And you sort of talk to them and they go, that that's crazy. Um, it's a lot easier to do that when you're not, when you're not, you know, looking at someone in the face. And, um, so most of the time, you know, people, even if they're just like, Oh, really, are you sure they'll, they'll at least be, uh, you know, somewhat polite about it and, and receptive and they'll, they'll listen to an answer. And then some people just, just don't, don't want to hear it. I, I had one guy that I was working with and, and he was sort of trying to challenge things. And, um, and he was one of those guys that just obviously knew everything and, uh, and, and because he knew everything, you knew nothing. And so there wasn't anything new on earth that he, that he needed to learn. And so he just had that sort of attitude. And as he was saying, well, actually, you know, people are just different. You know, I think if you, if you just exercise, you get enough exercise, then, you know, uh, then, then it doesn't matter what you eat. I'm like, really? Then why are like 40 year old marathon runners dropping dead of heart attacks? The fuck is that? You know? And like, um, Sorry for swearing, but like, you know, and, and, you know, it was just so many examples that just, just pick those, those sorts of statements apart. And, um, you know, they say, well, I just think, you know, you know, people are different and they can just, you know, the same, same, just tired lines. And, um, and I said, okay, well then you show me one example of two animals in this, you know, two animals in nature in the same species that have different optimal diets. You know, and he's just, and he just, he had obviously had no answer. So he just made up an excuse. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, obviously we need to you know focus on this other thing right now. And I was like, okay, buddy. Yeah. And, um, but uh, yeah, no, mo- most, most people that I work with directly or speak to directly uh, or, or at least willing to hear it out. Some people just be like, you know, nope, there's no way. And then just walk away. But that's the small minority of people. And then obviously people online, um, you know, are, are, you know, it's, um, if they're not going to be a bit open-minded, then they can, uh, you know, they can, they can argue whatever. And, and they, they usually won't listen to things, but you know, you, you get through to some of those people as well. So it's a mix. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I think, um, it's really good to your point of have to have those talking points and discussion points and evidence um, for the common objections. And you're absolutely right. The burden of proof does in some ways lie on us. I think a lot of people try to say, no, the burden of proof lies on everyone else. They need to prove that, you know, a carnivore diet isn't optimal. And I think, well, you could make that argument. You're not going to reach as many people, um, when you take that stance. Um, and, um, talking about like, you, you've been around this space. You've been tinkering with carnivore diets yourself for several years, it seems like. How has your version of the carnivore diet evolved for you? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I've certainly filled in a lot of gaps uh, over, over the years. And, um, you know, but the first, the first several months or first few months that I was doing this, um, I really, really just dug into the literature and was just asking questions myself was like, okay, you know, well, if, if the, you know, like asking a question, okay, so th- this is my theory, we're carnivores. And, you know, so if that's the case, you know, you know, we should be seeing this in the literature, you know, like, you know, if, if sugar is actually, um, you know, an, an issue with, uh, or, or, or eating plants and not eating enough meat or eating sugar, if that's actually going to be causative or, 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 you know, have some sort of association with, um, or yeah, causative, 
then then you, you should see association with different diseases and uh, and, and these sorts of intakes. Uh, and I, I was also thinking about autism. You know, autism rates increase. You know, since since that 1977 declaration, you know, uh, uh, all these diseases and obesity and heart disease they all increased. You know, you know, very very uh, you know to high degrees. So you know, just this very simply, you know, when we reduce cholesterol and meat intake and increase fruits and vegetables, the heart disease rate tripled in in very short order. So you know, you can't say that. Wow. You know, cholesterol causes heart disease if you reduce cholesterol and heart disease rates triples. You know, in fact, you could, you could, you know, uh, you, you would suggest that it's, uh, is protective. And in fact, that's what we find in these meta-analyses that you actually have an inverse relationship between cholesterol and stroke and heart disease and cardiac related death and all cause mortality and life expectancy, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but all of these things increase. Right, so obesity rate tripled, heart disease tripled, stroke rate tripled, cancer rates tripled, type two diabetes, autoimmune disorders, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, even neurodevelopmental delays such as autism—they all increased exponentially. They almost didn't exist before then, and now they're like the only things we treat. And uh, they all increased at the exact same time. And I, I, I thought about that with autism, and I looked into it, and it was that was the case. Autism rates, you know, were climbing up in lockstep with all of these, with all of these other issues. And so I was like, okay, damn, uh, is that, is that diet related as well? I was like, well, if it is, you know, and, and, you know, it goes from not eating as much meat, we should see, you know, higher rate of, of, uh, autism and vegans, vegetarians. In fact, we do. And, um, you know, and there are studies actually showing causation between lack of carnitine and development of a, a certain kind of autism. And you see this in vegetarians and vegans because, you know, there's most of the carnitine that we get in our diet is from red meat. And while most of us make carnitine and probably make enough carnitine, not everyone does and not everyone even makes it at all. And so you really do need it from your diet because it is essential. And, um, and so, you know, Vegans are not going to get anything, any carnitine, you know, for, because they don't have any animal products. And vegetarians, you know, the first thing they do is drop red meat, you know, and that red meat is where you really find the most carnitine. And so, if their kids are really deficient to to a large degree, uh, and they're eating just maybe chicken or fish, you know, they're not going to get enough carnitine, and they're going to get this this kind of autism. So that's that's what we're seeing, and we're also seeing that. Uh, you know, kids that, that are bottle fed as opposed to breastfed have, have higher rates of autism. Mothers that, that eat less meat uh, preconception and during pregnancy have, have higher rates of kids with autism. So, I mean, there are a lot of links and suggestions. And then obviously that, that causation uh, exists between carnitine and a certain type of autism. There's multiple kinds of autism, autism spectrum disorder, it's a spectrum of of uh, types of autism, to me, that that means there's a spectrum of causes as well, and so one of them is is caused by lack of carnitine. But there there are others, you know, and I, I think that uh, there are going to be uh, you know causative uh, mechanisms between sugar and carbohydrate consumption and autism, simply because there are treatment groups uh, that that are putting kids on autistic kids and even adults on ketogenic diets. And they are are having fantastic results, and and in some cases even reversing uh, their autism, which is not something heretofore thought possible. Um, so yeah, and um, for me, because I had that background, 
in just plants are trying to kill you. Um, I wanted absolutely no plants. And so when I came back to it, I was just like, yeah, no plants. I knew these things were trying to kill me, get these things the hell out, hell away from me. And so I was just straight, you know, meat, salt, water right from the beginning and, you know, a bit of dairy here and there, but, you know, I didn't want to have a bunch of milk and, uh, and, and jack up my insulin from the lactose. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was really, really just, you know, at the beginning, sort of in the first, in my twenties, I was drinking milk as well and like low fat milk. And I was, you know, eating more low fat meat because that was, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any better then. Um, and so this next time around, you know, sort of eating lean and cutting off the fat. And I was like, no, the fat's good for me. I trust the data. I trust the research. Fat's good for me. Eat the damn fat. And so, you know, I started doing that. So that was sort of the, the main evolution. Um, and, uh, but that was something that I did pretty early on in this last time around. And so, so really I've just been just doing fatty meat, salt and water since then. I haven't really changed it up since then, because I, I think that it is probably the, you know, I, I think that the evidence suggests that that's, that's the optimal way of doing it. And so, yeah, just no plants, you know, that's my, my hard rule is really what not to eat is just no plants, no sugar, nothing artificial. And that goes for sauces, seasonings and drinks as well. And that's sort of a concept that I came up with right at the beginning and, and have stuck with since then. So pretty, been pretty consistent. This yeah. Last and do you include, um, any organs or dairy as well? Uh, rarely, I, I rarely for both. So for dairy, um, you know, while I don't think I don't have a problem with it personally. Some people do. Certainly people with autoimmune issues are much more sensitive uh, and the different milk proteins can be pro-inflammatory. Even A2 uh, milk proteins uh, are inflammatory to a degree. And so if you're very sensitive to that, that uh, can cause a problem. So um, I don't personally have a problem with the, the inflammation side of things with dairy, but it's, it's, you know, it's not the best, you know, it's not going to have all the nutrients that you need, you know, like, like meat will. And so I just think of it in that context, you know, it's, this is, this is okay, but it's not as good for me as a steak is. But if I'm having, you know, some meat, I might melt some cheese on it, like on a, on a, uh, you know, ground beef patty or something like that. Uh, and, and that's, and that's fine. But I, I do that rarely. I use it at, strictly as a condiment. I wouldn't eat dairy just on its own. It's only in, in the context of having it with meat. Um, so organ meats, I, I haven't seen anything that convinced me that we actually need to eat organs. I mean, I think they're fine. I don't, and if you like them, you know, go for it, but, uh, you don't, you don't have to do it. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that, you know, the Inuits, um, you know, in North America and elsewhere, they don't eat organs, you know, like, you know, very simply, you know, the, the livers of these, of these, uh, you know, marine animals that they're eating like seals and polar bear, the livers are so, uh, toxic with vitamin A that, you know, they'll, they'll die. You will, you will die if you, if you eat that stuff, if you eat the liver of a polar bear and if you eat enough liver of a seal, uh, that will also kill you from vitamin A poisoning. So the idea is, is a bit short-sighted when people say, well, well, liver is the most nutrient dense, you know, part of the animal. Very true. And that is exactly where the problem lies because it can, it can have too much and, uh, you know, too much of a good thing is a problem in this case, uh, because, you know, you know, uh, vitamin toxicity is just as dangerous 
and potentially life-threatening as vitamin deficiencies. And so that's just something you have to contend with. And so with the, you know, the Inuits don't eat these, these organs, they feed them to their dogs. Dogs are different animals. You know, I know Dr. Saladino really loves uh, liver and I don't think there's anything uh, wrong with having liver every now and then, but you know, he, he makes the argument that like, you know, like the alpha wolf, when they get a hunt, you know, they, they eat the liver first, they get the liver. Okay. We're, we aren't wolves, you know, is, is the simple answer to that. You know, different animals need a different constellation of, of nutrients. And so, you know, we don't require those nutrients to those, that, that degree, you know, like the amount of vitamin A that's good for a polar bear will kill every human on earth, you know? So there are different animals, different animals need different things. And so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's just, a, it's just a bit different. And, and even in, um, you know, these, these primitive tribes of humans where they would hunt and they'd get an animal and they, and like Dr. Saladino uh, rightly points out, you know, like Heisenberg, they'll, they'll look at the liver and that's, that's really prized. And they'll all each take a little bite and pass along until this thing's gone. What is that saying? You're taking a little bite of something mm-hmm. and now you have hundreds of pounds of this animal left over. So that's the majority of what you're eating. You're going to get a bit of this stuff. But, you know, how many hundreds of pounds of skeletal meat and fat do you get for every one pound of liver? You know, it's literally hundreds to one in, in most cases. So, you know, I think that if you eat that in that proportion, then then you'll be fine for most animals. But I mean, some things, obviously, I mean, you're not going to do that for a polar bear ever or a seal ever, you know. So in any case, you know, we, we do have, you know, pretty strong evidence that you don't have to have organs in order to thrive. And, uh, you know, the polar explorers, uh, you know, from, you know, Western ethnic backgrounds, um, who went up into, into those, into those areas and lived with the, uh, the Inuits and other, other tribes up there, you know, they, they ate and lived as the natives did and they felt great and they did not eat organs, you know? And that was one thing that, that, you know, uh, uh, Professor uh, Stefanson uh, from Harvard, who was an ethnologist and, and polar explorer, um, you know, he wrote the book Fat of the Land and Not by Bread Alone. Um, you know, he, he was very clear on that. He's like, yeah, that's a strange myth that exists that you have to have organ meats when you're just eating meat. You don't. You don't need it at all. Like we never ate it. We only fed it to the dogs. And, you know, and, and you know, we were fine. These, these people live generationally without any organ meat. So I don't think you need to, if you want to, that's fine. But I, I think that just people should, should have that sort of in their mind that, that, uh, this, there is a proportionality here. Uh, and if you get outside of that, you, you can end up doing yourself harm. If you're eating like a lot of liver, which you can do by, you know, buying it at the store, which would never be available in the wild. I mean, you're not going to, you know, kill a bunch of animals and only eat the liver every day. You know, it would just be a waste, first of all, and it wouldn't really be be feasible. Um, but you know, so that that's not something that we we would have evolved with, and that's not something that we would have really seen happen. So it's um, it's something that I, I just I just caution people: like, if you want to do it, then great. You know, and if you enjoy it, then go for it. But just just remember to keep that proportionality in mind uh, because you can get. Uh, a buildup of, of these vitamins, you know, vitamin A is, is fat soluble. So it, it takes a long time to get rid of excess vitamin A and it can be, it can be pretty hard on people uh, while they're doing it. So it's just to, just to be cautious about that. 
This episode is brought to you by Element Electrolytes. We know that salt, potassium, and magnesium are essential minerals, especially for those on carnivore, keto, and low-carb diets to relieve hunger, dizziness, cramps, headaches, and keep so many of your bodily processes running optimally, including sleep, brain and mental health, hormonal health, your heart, immunity, and more. Element electrolytes are convenient, evidence-based, and delicious. My wife and I have been using Element for years, every single day. They're great for fueling hard workouts, getting adapted and beating keto flu, fasting, traveling with them, and kickstarting your day with energy. They're used by Navy SEALs, Olympic weightlifters, jujitsu athletes, and everyday people who want to make themselves better, like you and me. They're also founded by superhero Rob Wolf. <laughs> Element is offering free, that's right, free people, Element sample packs to Carnivore Cast listeners. All you have to do is pay for shipping. Go to drinklmnt.com slash carnivorecasts to claim this awesome deal. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash carnivorecasts, one word, and I'll include a link in the show notes. Yeah, I think that's a, a very healthy perspective. Um, and how about fasting? Do you incorporate any form of fasting for yourself or for your patients? In in Insofar as we mean fasting as, as depriving ourselves of, of nutrients that our body's asking for through hunger. I, I don't generally practice uh, fasting, but just because I, I do eat fatty meat until I'm full and satiated and meat stops tasting good because that's how I judge how much food my body wants uh, just by taste because things will taste very good or a lot better when your body wants those nutrients. And then they'll taste less good when you know your your body doesn't need them, and in fact, there's some people that have you know portion issues when they're they're first getting onto this, and they'll actually you know they'll they'll cook a meal and they'll actually keep eating, and they're like, oh my god, I hate this! I have to force myself to finish the meal. That's their body telling them stop eating, stop eating, stop eating, and they want to stop eating, but they they end up forcing themselves. And so you can. Uh, listen to your body, and if if things stop tasting good and they stop being enjoyable, that you know, that's just the natural time to stop. So that's what I get to. I get to the point where uh, I just get to the point where I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm not really enjoying this as much. And so I just stop. Um, when I do that, I find that I'm just not, not as hungry. And so I'll end up eating, you know, I won't be hungry more than really once a day. If I'm working out heavily or I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to get to the gym regularly, I will, want to eat more. Sometimes I'll, 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 you know, often when I'm working out heavily, I'll, my, my appetite will literally double. And so I'll eat the same, you know, big steak twice a day and that, and that works well for me. And I, and I put on a lot of muscle when I do that. Um, I haven't, um, I, you know, I do have friends and colleagues that, that think that fasting can, can really kickstart weight loss and, and sort of get people, into a, into a better relationship with food and, and, and happy and okay with the fact that they don't need to eat three, four times a day. Um, and so they incorporate that in, I think that you don't need to do that. You can listen to your body because you, you will, if you're listening, if you're actually listening to it and you, you, you will naturally want to stop. And, and so you'll eat maybe like a small amount, but your body, that's what your body wants. And so you'll eat a small amount and you're, you know, and then you'll want to stop and you're, um, and, and you'll, you'll lose weight and you'll gain health. And, um, but you know, you could, you could argue that if you fasted for an, you know, a number, you know, a 
a day or a couple of days or, or whatever, I've seen people do you know, far more than that, that you'll sort of kickstart that weight loss. I don't think it's unhealthy if done right. You know, if you have excess adiposity, you can certainly fast safely. Um, dry fasting is a bit more uh, touchy just because, you know, you know, you, you will die a lot faster from lack of water than you will lack of food, especially if you have excess adiposity, excess fat tissue. So that's something that, that, um, people should do very, very cautiously. Uh, but you know, there are, you know, there are, um, you know, pieces of evidence that, that show that when you do dry fast, that, the, the, the fat cells will actually burst and there's, and the water from, the fat cells, uh, will, will get in and actually hydrate you. And so, uh, I think, uh, Dr. Jack Wish was, was telling me that there's studies showing that if after five days of dry fasting, uh, you actually, your urine output is the same on day five as it was on day one. And, and you feel hydrated and you feel well, you know, I, I haven't looked into those things specifically myself, but I thought that was quite interesting. Um, but I would, I would, you know, cautious, caution people to, you know, with dry fast because you can absolutely die of dehydration. Dehydration is, is, is a big, big killer around the world. And so, you know, if you're going to entertain that, really look into it, really know what you're doing and keep a close watch on things. Uh, wet fasting where you're drinking water, but you're just not eating. I think that's, that's, uh, you know, much easier to maintain, especially if we have excess uh, fat tissue. You know, there was a guy, I think in Wales where it was like over nine months, guy just did not eat. He just drank water and took a multivitamin every day. And he got blood tests with his, his, his doctor once a month. And his doctor was like, yeah, you know, you're fine. I don't see anything wrong here. And uh, the guy didn't eat for over nine months. And he, he lost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. I think he lost something like 400 pounds. And his, his, you know, he was obviously stretched out skin, but all shrunk down with him. And so he didn't have this, you know, these big baggy folds of skin uh, that sometimes you see when people do rapid weight loss. Uh, that's usually liposuction though, uh, that they get that. But it's, um, it's, it's something that if somebody wants to kickstart their weight loss, I don't, I don't have a particular problem with that. I don't do it myself. I don't, I don't think that you need to do that. I don't think it's required. But if, if people want to jumpstart it and they, and they do it safely, I think that it can be a good tool to, uh, uh, you know, to jumpstart the process, but it'll, it'll all happen naturally just on a carnivore diet because your body will just, will, will just optimize your body fat percentage and your body habitus because that's what it's designed to do. And so if you're giving your body what it's designed to eat and what it's designed to run on, it will start running the way it's supposed to. And so I don't think you need to, but I don't, uh, I don't you know, stop people from doing it if that's what they really want. Yeah. I'm not a giant advocate of fasting myself. I think a lot of people take it too far and it's adding stress to their bodies often. Um, I think it has a place. Sure. But, um, I think very often people are, um, forcing it upon themselves and stacking on top of other stressors, um, like lack of sleep, like lack of recovery, a lot of exercise, calorie deficit, et cetera. Well, yeah. And, and, and just, to, just to your point, um, I think that, uh, I think a, a very important part of this is, is getting back to having a healthy relationship with food and treating food as nutrition. And, and then, and that's it. Uh, whereas if you're, if you're just starving yourself, um, by fasting, that's, um, 
you know, I guess you could argue, is that really starving yourself if you have sex adiposity and you have ketones and so forth? You're not in a, in a, in a strict starvation state where you don't have enough nutrients, but you know, uh, that aside, you know, you know, will this promote, you know, disordered eating and, and, uh, sort of have that relationship with food, that food is the enemy. Uh, food is not the enemy. Food is, food is what gives us life. That's the whole, whole purpose. You know, most animals, they, they just spend their entire lives just getting food. That's, that's really what they do. Getting food, procreating, getting food, procreating. And, um, so it, it, you know, it sort of concerns me just that, that people can, you know, keep an unhealthy relationship with food or, or, you know, develop disordered eating or, or perpetuate disordered eating, uh, in, in that way. Whereas if you just, if you're just eating meat, then you're just, you're regaining that healthy relationship. Food is nutrition. That's it. That's how I'm going to treat it. And that's how I'm going to use it. And so I think that's, uh, has a, has a, uh, that's a strong argument just for, just for eating meat and letting your body get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's very well said. And, um, do you, for your patients, do you, um, see carnivore as a long-term solution, a, a like way of eating for life? Um, or do you see it as like an elimination diet, something that people should start with and then see what they can tolerate? Um, what, what's your view there? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's absolutely, um, you know, the optimal way of, of eating, uh, at all stages of life and in all, in all, uh, you know, circumstances. So, I, I encourage this as a, as a lifestyle change and something to do long-term if people want to sort of incorporate other things, you know, that that's entirely up to them. I, you know, I don't recommend that. Um, but you know, what, where I'm coming from is just, this is what's optimal. This is what I think is optimal and, and yeah, optimal lifelong, you know, if you want optimal health throughout your existence, uh, for the time that, you know, you have here on earth, this is, this is the way to do it from what I can see. Uh, and, you know, if you want to incorporate other things in, you know, that's your business, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, you know, tell you not to, but, uh, for me, I certainly have no interest in any, anything non-meat related. You know, I, I, I tell people like, I will never eat a plant again, unless I'm dying of starvation. Like that is, that is it, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing that tastes better than how I feel. And, you know, I have you know, incorporated some things in, something slipped into my food and be like, okay, am I going to get too, you know, worked up about this? There's a bit of rice sort of worked in here. I mean, I mean, literally like a, a half a piece of rice on a piece of meat. I try to scrape it off, but there's a bit there and a bit of beans or a bit of something that just sort of gets on the surface. I'm like, mm, okay, is, I'll, I'll, let's see what this does to me. And I, and I noticed that it does make a big difference. I mean, my, you know, my, I get a little bit of rice or a little bit of beans in the food that I, that I'm eating my back kills for like four solid days. Wow. And I was like, I, you know, I don't need that in my life, you know? And, um, you know, a lot of people like coffee, but I, you know, I just from my own experiences and obviously with what, what coffee contains, because it's a bead, a bean, a bean is a seed, a seed is a plant's baby. And, you know, that's where you'll find generally find the highest concentration of poisons because everything protects its baby more than anything. And so, when I, I never really felt great drinking coffee anyway, every now and then I I get a cup and I'd just be bouncing off the walls and feeling great. I'm like, Oh, wow, this is, I get it now why people drink coffee. But most of the time it just actually made me feel worse. And then when I was carnivore, freshly carnivore, the second time I was like, 
you know, it had been like several weeks before I hadn't had anything in my system. And I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's try this. Let's have a cup of coffee, see what this does to me. You know, can I have coffee? One cup of coffee. I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't been getting sore after working out. Like, even though I'd just been pushing myself like crazy just to see why I wasn't getting sore and still wasn't getting sore. And then I had a cup of coffee all of a sudden within 20 minutes, I was sore in all the, all the muscle groups that I had been working out, uh, you know, in the last couple of days. And, you know, my legs were sore. My back was sore. I was just like stiffening up. I, I was feeling myself stiffen up in real time. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what the hell is this? And I was, I was sore for the next two days. So it's like one cup of coffee did that to me. One cup of black coffee did that to me. So it was like, for me, that's very, very, uh, uh, strong deterrent. And I like, I don't want that. You know, I like not being sore and in pain. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where I'm coming from. And I, you know, so, you know, if people, and so I encourage people like, look, if you, if you want to see how much this is affecting you, you know, just, just go without for like at least two weeks, if not a month, and then, you know, incorporate it back in, have, have a cup of coffee, see what happens. And, you know, if you get sore and stiff, but you're like, ah, but it's not that big of a deal to me. Fine. And, and you, you like the coffee more, uh, than, than, you know, the effects, um, you know, you'd like the good effects more than the bad effects then fine, do what you want. But most of the people that I talked to, um, actually I haven't heard of one person who didn't say this when they got rid of coffee, they're like, I had no idea how much better I would feel like I, I just really didn't get it. I feel so wow. much better now. Thank God I got rid of that stuff. Um, so I, I encourage that, you know, because it, you know, I, it's not a crash diet. It's not a, a, you know, something that you just, just do to like get into your fit into your high school jeans or your prom dress or something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, this is, this is the way to be, you know, the healthiest version of yourself that you can be genetically. And that's what I want for myself. And that's what I would certainly want, uh, in my patients, but of course it's, you know, it's their decision, but, but that's what I encourage, you know, if, um, you know, and people say, it's like, well, is this, is this safe long-term? It's like, yes, this is the only thing that's safe long-term because <laughs> this is, this is optimal. This is what we were actually supposed to eat. And so, yeah, I, I definitely do encourage people to, to think about this as, as changing their life and changing the way they, they approach life and, uh, and, and making these, these changes permanently because that's, what's going to give them, you know, the best health and the best results long-term. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, well, this has been fantastic, Dr. Chaffee. Really appreciate you coming on, um, sharing some of your knowledge with us today. Um, what are some of your goals um, going forward um, with your message and your um, media and your content? And where can people find you? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, well, my my sort of my main my main mission is just to get this this knowledge out there and get and, and get people aware of the data and the facts and, and what can, can help their lives. Because I just, you know, I think it's, I honestly think it should be criminal, uh, you know, the way we, we, you know, uh, put out information and, 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 you know, abuse people of, of the right way to live. And it's, it's causing just a huge burden of disease, you know, telling people that cholesterol caused heart disease, absolutely revolutionized the world, uh, for the worse. And now we spend trillions and trillions of dollars just treating the effects of a poor diet. And, you know, and we spend billions just uh, buying things like statins, which are absolutely unnecessary and do cause harm. You know, all medications have side effects. Statins are not, not uh, free of that. And, and 
they're doing something that you don't want to do, which is lower your cholesterol. Cholesterol is good for you. You know, cholesterol that has been damaged through glycation and oxidation because you've been eating carbs, sugar, and alcohol, that's, that can be used in the larger disease process that, that causes atherosclerosis, but the cholesterol itself is not harmful. So higher levels of cholesterol that hasn't been damaged is only good for you. If it's physiological, if your body is making this, that's what your body wants. And so I think it's so important to get this information out there. And that's, and that's really just my main, my main mission, because we, the majority of things we treat as doctors now, uh, we're just treating these chronic diseases. We're disease managers, as opposed to, uh, you know, curing things. We're just managing things, some things we can cure, but most of these, these, uh, these chronic diseases, they're just, they're just something that we sort of keep a lid on as it progresses and eventually kills somebody. You know, that they don't need to exist. They don't, they don't have to be here. Type two diabetes doesn't need to exist. Heart disease doesn't need to exist. You know, uh, Alzheimer's dementia, all these things, they don't need to exist by and large. And so I want to get medicine back to the earlier days when we were just dealing with, you know, sort of, you know, pregnancy and childbirth, childhood, uh, you know, diseases like congenital and genetic issues, um, infectious disease, trauma, and then uh, poisons. You know, those are the, those are the big five, right? Well, now we've got this whole area of chronic disease uh, treatment, and that's that's like eighty five percent of what we treat. You know, but really, what that is is that fifth one, poisoning. You know, because we are poisoning ourselves with the food that we're eating, and we're not getting enough proper nutrition, so we're getting you know, a toxic buildup of species inappropriate diet and a lack of species specific nutrition. So too many plants and not enough meat. And that is causing the, the large burden of disease that we're seeing now. If it doesn't need to exist, it just goes away. And then we go back to medicine as it was for thousands of years, just treating those other four things. And then to a small degree poisoning. And, and that's what I really, really, really hope to, to, accomplish at some point. I don't know if that will ever get to that point, but I really hope that it will. And I think that uh, it is growing and that more people are figuring this out and sort of a, a grassroots bottom-up movement because people are just seeing how this works for them. And they, they're seeing that this actually makes their diseases go away as opposed to just being mitigated with, with uh, medications that are expensive and toxic in, in most cases, especially with autoimmune issues. You know, so people are seeing this and they, you know, they, they have Crohn's and they're, and they're, you know, getting, you know, just blasted by these medications or rheumatoid arthritis. And all of a sudden they go on this carnivore diet and it just goes away. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, you can call it anecdotal, but you'd have to be an asshole to do that because like, you know, if you have something, if you have a horrific disease such as rheumatoid arthritis or, or Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, and you stop doing something, you just start eating meat and that goes away objectively. And it goes away every single damn time. It doesn't matter what the studies say. It doesn't matter what anything says. The only thing that matters is that disease does not exist in your body anymore. That is the only thing that matters. And so, you know, that's what I want to get to. And I, I just want to try to disseminate this knowledge and this information to people. And yeah, it'd be great to do studies and great to, you know, sort of just, you know, put that in the, in the, in the textbooks, uh, officially, but 
it, it, you know, you don't need that to start to start using it because it is working. And we've actually had evidence going back to the 1800s that this works for autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, and gout, and so forth. It's just we've we've pasted over it with uh, all the more recent, you know, fat is bad, meat is bad sort of propaganda. You know, but there are are actual studies with elemental diet, fat mimicking diet, or fasting mimicking diet, showing that they have better efficacy in in treating autoimmune issues than uh, than steroids. You know, so I mean, we actually do have studies showing these sorts of things. But in any case, just getting just getting this information out there and getting people uh, back in control of their lives and their health, so they're they're not beholden to uh, a bunch of drugs and medication that that don't cure them; they just make them die more slowly. And, um, I just, I really have a problem with that. I just really want to get medicine back to, to its roots and I want to get people's health back to its roots. And I want to, I want to make a lot of doctors a lot more bored and have a lot less to do. That's my main mission. And so, yeah. Unemployed doctors. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, you got a lot of people with big brains that are, that are, that are putting that into a direction that doesn't, doesn't need to exist. You know, we have so many people in you know the bio, you know, biopharmaceutical, uh, uh, you know, industries that you know they they are they are using a lot of brain power and a lot of you know supercomputer time to come up with drugs that are they're novel drugs that cost billions of dollars to produce and don't need to exist. You know, put that big brain power and computer power into actually curing, you know, you know, various infectious diseases. You know, we haven't come out with a new antibiotic in like 30 years. And the reason being is because, you know, chronic, you know, coming up with drugs for chronic diseases is much more lucrative, you know? And so, you know, once you get rid of those chronic diseases and you don't need uh, any of that, any, any of those drugs anymore, well, then you can actually focus your attention on uh, curing real diseases and, and, and fixing real problems. And, you know, and you have, tr- you free up trillions and trillions of dollars in the economy. That's not just going towards, you know, treating something that just, you just get rid of by not eating something, you know? So, you know, that, that's going to, you know, absolutely revolutionize society in many, many ways. And so I, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, this isn't my business model. I don't have a business. I don't have a product. Um, I have a day job, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm not trying to, and I certainly don't try to sell supplements or anything because you, you simply don't need them if you're eating a carnivore diet, because that's what we, that's all we need. You don't need to take anything else. And so that's, I just want to get this information out there. And, and, uh, that's my main mission as you know, uh, to that, to that end, you know, I'm, I am reluctantly active on social media and, um, <laughs> I hate it, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm on Instagram the most. It's just Anthony Chafee MD. Um, and that's where I'll, I'll post different things that come to mind. I have a lot of different posts on there that talking about carnivore and talking about, um, different, uh, different aspects to that, that, that people ask about, uh, those are also on, um, on the Facebook group that I'm involved with the carnivore fix and that, um, and where people can, can look at that and, and, and go through my little sort of blog essays that I had on Instagram, they've sort of been lost down at the bottom now because I, you know, just, you know other show stuff has come up since then. Uh, and then my, my YouTube channel, as you, as you mentioned, that's where most of my content goes, um, my videos anyway. And, uh, that's just at Anthony Chafee MD. That's the channel name. And my podcast is the plant free MD and that's on Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, you know, anywhere you need, anywhere you can get uh, podcasts, it'll be up there. Um, 
And uh, I, I'm developing a website as well. It's just you know thecarnivorelife.com. Uh, I haven't really done much with that yet, but that's something that that is in the works. And I'll, I'll put up those sort of blogs and statements and essays up there as well, and start getting testimonials on that also. So that's that's sort of a, a watch this space uh, sort of thing. But that yeah, that's the main thing is just trying to get the word out there and trying to get this um, information to as many people as possible. That's my that's my goal. Awesome. Well, I think you're doing a fantastic job at it, Dr. Chafee. And thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. I got a ton out of this and I'm sure the listeners will too. Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad you, I'm glad you liked it. And yeah, thank you very much for having me on. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered? Or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.